Can coaching help doctors and residents tackle burnout? Innovation is everywhere. Bold ideas and innovations are of the here and now, just waiting to be discovered, just waiting to be implemented. While real progress doesn't happen overnight, it's anything but impossible. Heavy workloads, demanding standards of training and practice, complex practice environments. These are just some of the factors that put physicians at a high risk for burnout. In the Canadian Medical Association's 2017 National Physician Health Survey, more than one in four physicians and residents reported high levels of burnout. More recently, the World Health Organization deemed burnout as an occupational phenomenon related to chronic workplace stress. It's often a problem that starts early in a physician's career, with the highest levels reported amongst residents. It can affect personal, professional life, and even patient safety. Can coaching or training help? We asked the doctor's doctor. On this episode of Boldly, we're speaking with Dr. Mamta Gautam, a psychiatrist who specializes in physician health and well-being. She's the founding director of the University of Ottawa Faculty of Medicine Wellness Program. She's also advised the Canadian Medical Association on their own physician health and wellness initiatives, and she coaches physicians on how to stay one step ahead of burnout. Hello, Dr. Gautam. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's a real pleasure for me to be here. I appreciate your inviting me to join you. Excellent. So those of us at Jewel, we know you well. You are a faculty member of our Physician Leadership Institute. Would you mind taking a few minutes to introduce yourself to Boldly listeners and maybe share how it is that you became interested in physician health and wellness? Okay, thank you. I'd be happy to do that. I'm a psychiatrist in Ottawa, Canada, um, and I've been involved in physician health since 1990. In fact, I um, trained uh, in uh, child and adolescent psychiatry. That's uh, what I had completed my fellowship in. And I had just actually completed that fellowship in uh, uh, July of 1990. Uh, And that's really what I thought my career was going to be. I um, was invited uh, unexpectedly that September in 1990 to speak at a conference. Uh, One of my close friends was the national organizer of this uh, medical conference that was being held in Ottawa. And I got this fairly urgent call on a Friday night um, asking if I would fill in at the last minute because her eight o'clock speaker the Saturday morning um, had uh, called in sick. And, um, you know, so I really wanted to help my friend. And I have, you know, as I'm on the phone, I look over to the sideboard in my house and, uh, so remember, well, this is 1990, and so uh, no, there's no PowerPoints and you know any technology, and so I'm really uh, limited to uh, slides. And I um, so I look over at the sideboard and I see a carousel of slides ready, uh, you know, for a presentation that I had just uh, given to the uh, psychiatry residents on depression. And so I said to her, "Look, if I can speak." on depression tomorrow morning, I'm happy to come. And she says, no, I don't care what you speak about. I just need a warm body in the morning. And so uh, um, I had this very uh, unexpected and incredible uh, opportunity to speak to hundreds of doctors on depression. And at the end of it, I had uh, three colleagues come up to me and say, you know, we really liked your approach to depression. Uh, It sounded like you were telling my story. Uh, You know, your... um, you know, you're not weird like we think psychiatrists are, where you see me as a patient. And those are my first three physician patients. And within about three months, that, by word of mouth, that was my entire practice. 
And so currently now I uh, see physicians in my clinical practice and all of my uh, speaking, my writing, my research, my consulting work is uh, focused on physician health. Um, about 15 years ago, I realized that, you know, even though I can help physicians get better in my office uh, one-to-one, that, uh, you know, they're often returning back into a very difficult workplace environment that was part of why they became unhealthy. And uh, I, you know, thought hard about how I could help uh, impact at that level and uh, realized that I needed to uh, perhaps uh, focus also on educating leaders within the healthcare system uh, so they can be more aware of issues on physician health and start addressing some of the systems issues as well. I know that we're talking more and more about that now in physician health as well, but as a result, the last uh, 15 to 17 years, I've been doing leadership development in Canada through uh, Jules PLI and in the United States through the American Association of Physician Leaders. That's amazing. Your career found you. You must look back yeah. on that that opportunity that your friend gave you. It's really shaped um, your whole contribution to the profession. It's amazing. It is wonderful. And, you know, when I speak to groups of medical students and residents, I'll often say to them that, you, you know, just how important it is to be to be flexible and kind of, you know, have, have an idea of where you would like to go in your career, but also look at where it wants to take you because that may well be the right place. Well, we we absolutely think it is the right place. I, I've seen you speak many times. Um, I, I just think you're one of the the warmest people uh, that I've had um, the opportunity to to uh, listen to and and to see work in this space. I know the impact that you've had on uh, on physicians. I, I, I you won't believe the number of times that your name comes up from people uh, when we talk about things like depression and and physician health and wellness. So you should be very proud of that contribution. Thank you very much. I appreciate your comments on that. Well, you you mentioned that we are talking more and more now about physician burnout. And, you know, I'd like to say um, for those listeners who may not be physicians, who may not be in the healthcare system, um, we know that physician burnout affects physicians at all stages of practice. But can you talk a little bit about either the specific times or situations when we should all be more particularly aware of the risk? Okay, um, so burnout really means chronic overstress over a long period of time, and it's often work-related and uh, more likely to be in professions where you know you're you're really taking care of other people. So in medicine, as a helping profession, we uh, are actually very vulnerable to the risk of burnout uh, on an ongoing basis, and and because there is a lot of um, you know workload and a lot of pressure now to do more with fewer resources we don't have a lot of buffer, a lot of margin in our uh, day-to-day lives and then, in, in, you know, in our day-to-day uh, energy as well. So I, I think that, you know, it is important for us to know that we're, we are at risk. Uh, when you ask me about uh, specific times or situations that we should be even more aware, I think we should watch out um, at times where there is uh, an increased level of stress, uh, perhaps uh, increased workloads uh, when there are colleagues uh, away when there's uh, we're coming up to a period where it's more intense call. So we should be aware that those are going to cause more stress and, and again, add to, um, you know, our risk, especially, as I've said, since there's very little margin built into the system for us. I also think we should be careful about uh, times of transition. And there are different transition periods uh, throughout our training 
but not just within our training, they continue throughout our practice. So uh, we would be at, uh, again, more risk uh, as you know we uh, go in our training into our clinical years. Uh, once we graduate and we're starting a new practice or at any point when we do change our practice uh, location or focus or area of interest, while those are positive stressors, they are also, uh, a, you know, they also do make us more vulnerable. I think uh, uh, we should also be looking in our family life um, at periods of transition. So uh, as we, you know, look ahead to having a new baby or having young children in our family uh, um, and uh, aging parents, all of these, again, are going to be, um, you know, taking more of the time and resources that are already pretty precious for us. It's, I'm very glad that you mentioned those things. I think it's very um, easy to to focus in one area, for instance, your work life. But you're right. We, we, are, we are of a generation where we're all experiencing uh, a great many changes, whether it's related to our families. You mentioned, you know, having oftentimes children at home as well as caring for aging parents. Um, we also have, I think we're all experiencing um, an unprecedented amount of change in our lives in general, whether it's around technology, uh, around politics, all of those things. Uh, those things obviously uh, add up and can be very difficult for people. Right. Well, and thank you for mentioning the technology. I think that, uh, you know, uh, certainly one of the things I'm hearing more in the last uh, few years is uh, increased uh, stress and, and uh, you know, propensity for burnout as uh, uh, hospitals switch over to say, for example, to new EMRs and, um, you know, not just the uh, added stress in learning the new EMR, but then in maintaining it and the number of extra hours of workload it adds to our day. And uh, uh, certainly that is being cited as a major cause of burnout as well. No doubt. Now, you've talked a lot about um, the times when it's risky, the types of um, milestone events that can be problematic. Uh, I'm by nature interested in a bit of prevention. So what can we do, um, let's say at medical school, during residency, um, you know, in hospitals and other healthcare institutions to support physicians so that we can reduce and avoid burnout? Yeah, well, I share your uh, focus on prevention and interest in that area. I think that uh, uh, certainly, you know, as I look back on uh, my own career in physician health, as uh, we have been able to uh, look at more resources perhaps being available to physicians, I've had the luxury of, um, you know, focusing a little bit less on um, intervention because we have built a network for that and really looking more at prevention and uh, um, focusing on resilience and how can we build and enhance resilience continuing, uh, you know, throughout our, our career. But like any other public health intervention, the earlier you start, the better the outcome. And so I uh, also want to echo your uh, question about, uh, you know, other things that we could be addressing in medical school. And I think that there are lots of things we could be doing in medical school. Um, if I think back to my uh, time in medical school many uh, years ago, you know, we didn't discuss any of this. Like we didn't talk about uh, ourselves at all. It was really focused on uh, patient care and making sure that we had the the knowledge and the skills and the expertise to uh, offer excellence in patient care. I mean, as I look back over the years, I think um, 
you know, we are now starting to talk about self-care, uh, but there isn't really a lot of teaching on managing stress. We don't really uh, talk as much as we could about, you know, how prevalent depression and burnout is. And, um, and I don't think we tell medical students that, you know, they are at more risk of being depressed than uh, people in other professions. Um, we don't really talk about what they can do to, um, you know, be more proactive about uh, their mental health. Um, I think that there are things, you know, so certainly a lot of education in that area, a lot of um, um, a lot more uh, intervention for medical students and residents at those periods of transitions that I've talked about earlier, um, that as they occur in their own training, um, I think that it would be very helpful for medical students to uh, hear from uh, speakers, uh, colleagues, peers, uh, who have had a depression during their own career. And um, I think that, uh, you know, we also go into medicine to, uh, to you know, to, to uh, help patients and, and help them get better and uh, help treat their illnesses. And I think that, uh, you know, some of the more difficult experiences we have is, of course, when despite our, our best efforts, there are uh, uh, bad outcomes and uh, difficult uh, situations. And I think that one of the other things we can do uh, for our trainees is to, you know, proactively reach out to them and help them manage at uh, difficult times like that. I just think that there's a wonderful opportunity at, at a very early level, starting in medical school, to change the perception of this toughness that we all have to have and, and, and really enhance it with compassion. There are, I think, several... Uh, aspects uh, that we can be focusing on in medical school and we talked about uh, the education and the normalization of of stressors within our workplace just acknowledging that but I think that there are other things like structural aspects policies and the leadership uh, uh, focus that we can uh, also look at if we look at the structure I think just helping medical students and, and residents uh, access medical care uh, in a proactive way um, you know I uh, spoke with a resident in uh, University of Toronto, who told me that his program director, um, actually when they start in first year, connects them all to a family physician oh, wow. and just makes sure that they have that. So that is, to me, a really, uh, you know, a very thoughtful, proactive uh, uh, approach. But really making sure that trainees have time to exercise, have nutritional food available, uh, uh, during the day, but also when they're at call, uh, when there is less food available, um, have access to uh, mindfulness courses, things like that. But I think that, and and really, uh, you know, giving them time and uh, um, and geographic access to these kinds of things. I think that uh, we have uh, made some uh, effort in terms of policies such as limited duty hours. But I think again that uh, you know we should be uh, making sure that trainees take holidays uh, and that, uh, you know, we proactively reach out to them at difficult times, such as patient deaths or, or bad outcomes. And I think that uh, for the leadership, um, you know, to to consciously and actively model this, uh, model these uh, healthy behaviors to have open conversations about burnout and, and really cultivating a sense of community uh, in the workplace so that uh, the trainees know that they are supported uh, in, in uh, you know, in, in their training. These are all, uh, you know, I can't tell you, you've just listed, you know, a number of things that make me feel so much more optimistic. I, I hadn't necessarily been aware that all of these things are starting to come to pass. And I absolutely agree that they are 
uh, very important. I can only imagine uh, the benefit they are to, you know, whether they're physician learners, residents, or or physicians in practice, right, to be a part mm-hmm. of a community and to have those resources. You did touch on the word compassion, which, you know, when we talk about things like burnout and when I think about physicians in general, I think it's important. I know there's been a number of studies around the difference between empathy and compassion and how compassion is so much more productive than empathy um, for helping people uh, manage stress and to, especially in, in the context of caring for others. So I appreciate mm-hmm. that you that you mentioned that, right? Because I think those are things that physicians probably face on a regular basis. Absolutely. If I'm a physician today, what are some of the tools and resources available for me? Should I feel like I'm burning out, that I feel like I might be experiencing depression? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, although we have a, a long ways to go to uh, certainly change the culture, I feel that we have made uh, a lot of advance in uh, uh, changing the culture and, and really increasing awareness and normalizing some of these issues in medicine over the last few decades. Um, and so I think that, you know, some of the resources that are available are educational. There are um, there are more books and articles and uh, podcasts and rounds and retreats available if you wanted to learn more about this. I think, uh, as I say, they may not be as easily provided, but they are available if we start to look for that. I also see um, online, there are Facebook groups that are, you know, that, that have formed to support uh, colleagues uh, and, and really colleagues supporting each other uh, in that area. So I think that, you know, certainly the education, the awareness is, is uh, much more available than it has been. I think that um, there are wellness programs starting at uh, medical organizations and at hospitals, uh, which is a great uh, thing to see. Uh, we're looking at uh, programs uh, within, um, you know, healthcare systems such as peer support uh, programs, balance groups where, you know, groups of clinicians meeting to, um, you know, basically focus on clinical cases to uh, understand the therapeutic value of clinician-patient relationships. But I do think that they do help uh, um, support each other as they're they're looking at uh, offering excellence in patient care. Um, We have uh, now short rounds just starting uh, in uh, several parts of Canada, which really provide a structured forum where staff come together to discuss the more emotional and social aspects of working in healthcare. Uh, so I think that there's a lot of, um, you know, lot, lots of things happening in terms of education and support. I think that if uh, people were struggling and needing um, help personally, uh, we have a fairly extensive network now of physician health programs at the uh, provincial and territorial medical associations across Canada that will help people uh, connect to psychiatrists and other counselors. Um, I think different groups of physicians uh, have started mentoring programs that, again, are, are um, there to guide and support uh, um, colleagues at different stages of their career. And we're also now looking much more at uh, coaching in uh, medicine, which is something that you know has existed in other uh, professions and in the business world for uh, much longer, but we are really starting to see the value of uh, coaching for physicians uh, throughout their career as well. That's awesome. I know I audited a a course that you taught once, and I I would say the number one request from you at the time was um, for coaching uh, arrangements and relationships. Can you talk a little bit about... um, what, why coaching is so viable when, it, when we talk about countering burnout? 
Yeah, so, you know, coaching is a very uh, interesting process. Uh, it's sometimes, you know, harder to uh, explain what it is and, and more to say what it's not. And it's, you know, coaching is different than therapy in that we're not looking to gain insight or looking into past experiences to help understand what we're, what we're coping through now. It really is focusing on moving forward. Um, and it, uh, it really presumes that the physician who is being coached already has the strengths and the skills and, and perhaps even the answers to some of the questions that they're grappling with, but um, helps provide a very safe and structured process to help them, uh, you know, become more aware of, uh, of some of the uh, some of the answers. And coaching actually has been quite effective uh, uh, in terms of uh, addressing burnout uh, through fairly structured, um, you know, stress management programs. And I think the, the most important thing, right, is, is just to remember that you've never, you don't have to go through this journey by yourself. And coaching is a very positive way and a proactive way to help people learn those techniques and strategies to, to manage uh, the challenges that, uh, that we face. Um, it's very results-oriented. It's stigma-free, uh, really increasing someone's uh, internal locus of control. And so I think for a physician, uh, uh, particularly a physician perhaps thinking about burnout, coaching will help you um, enhance your self-awareness, help you identify and draw on your own strengths that you've had, Maybe question some of the negative, self-defeating thoughts and beliefs that uh, that you might hold, or the you know, those imposter syndrome kinds of thoughts that come up, and 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 balance those with new perspectives. Really helping you align your own personal values with your professional goals and duties. To you know, continue to um, look ahead and and align your progress with a path that really resonates with you. And um, and so what we're really seeing is that there's a, you know we take a lot in coaching from fields of uh, positive psychology, mindfulness, self determination, all of which I think are, are um, amazing personal strengths to help improve our resilience as we deal with burnout. That's awesome. You mentioned that nobody needs to go through these things alone. How can individual mm-hmm. physicians better support each other? Yeah, I think that, you know, we've, we've talked about some of those ways uh, already, but, but I do really think the biggest thing is um, for us to uh, support each other is really to stay connected. And um, part of this is really, you know, is recognizing the, the need for um, taking the time and the energy to connect, particularly in a workplace environment where, uh, you know, there's always more to be done, and uh, and there's real pressure to 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 get the you know to get more things done in less amount of time. And so I think we have to consciously think, you know, we're all people uh, trying to trying to get all of this done, and how do we uh, connect at a very human level? I often um, talk to people about the emotional bank account, where you know, if you imagine that you have a bank account with every single person that you work with and you're consciously making deposits, which means you, um, you know, you ask about them, you get to know them as people and you re- you remember things they tell you and then you, uh, you know, make a point of bringing them up so that they know that you were listening to them. And, uh, and every time you do that, and every time they sense that you sincerely, genuinely, uh, you know, are thinking about them or care about them, that's a, that's a, deposit into that emotional bank account and and the hope is that we make regular deposits and we have a very um you know rich bank account and uh you know so that on days where you're feeling 
it's tough or perhaps you're not at your best and uh, you, you might make a comment or have an interaction that, that's negative and that, okay, so that's like a withdrawal out of the bank account, but hopefully that we still have a healthy balance that we can continue that relationship, right? And, and, and I just, you know, imagine how fabulous our, our workplace environment would be if we were all, uh, you know, focused and dedicated in creating these emotional bank accounts with each other. And, and I think part of how we do that, as they say, is, uh, you know, be collegial is um, to express appreciation and give people positive feedback when you know that colleagues are doing uh, great work. Uh, I think uh, to, you know, actually sincerely ask how the other person's doing and, and, and actually listen uh, in an active way. Um, to reach out at times when, you know, people are going through difficult times and support them. I think uh, another way that we can support each other is really to be flexible and, uh, um, and you know, cover for each other and offer to uh, change calls uh, if somebody uh, has an appointment or uh, needs some time off or has a, a positive family event. Uh, you know, over the years, I've heard that uh, people have not been able to make it to you know, family anniversaries or birthday parties or uh, a wedding. And I just think that, you know, uh, those are the things that we charge us and that if we were all committed to making sure that we all, you know, our colleagues were able to attend things that we charged them, they would come back to the workplace uh, um, and, you know, continue to, uh, um, to, uh, to contribute in a very positive manner. I just love your analogy of the uh, the bank account. It's excellent. And uh, I know, you know, I can only imagine the pressure that many physicians feel. I'm, I'm sure it's easy to stop with some of the sort of standard niceties, just not out of any intent. It's just out of uh, rushing through the day and, and um, trying to of move course. on to the next thing, right? There's no judgment in that. It's uh, I think it's just a matter of fact. So I can totally appreciate that. Uh, the one thing I would like to ask you is, you know, we know that the stigma around depression um, is one of the reasons physicians and future physicians relay, uh, re resist or delay asking for support. What advice can you give to listeners in, in that situation? You know, I say that nowhere is the stigma of mental illness greater than within medicine. I feel that, you know, while we do have a ways to go just in our society, and we see, for example, um, that mental health is just uh, less understood, it's uh, even in the healthcare system is more poorly funded, uh, there are fewer resources, I feel that, you know, even more so in medicine, I um, have worked with colleagues over the years that because of the stigma, you know, will not uh, reach out for help when they need, will... Uh, um, not take medication or will drive, you know, an hour away to another pharmacy where they feel people don't know them to uh, get a prescription filled, uh, you know, and, and this is all part of the stigma. I, um, I had a very uh, uh, sad but understandable story uh, of uh, that a colleague shared with me. Uh, he and a colleague of his in his own department uh, were both off work at the same time. And he told me that he had had a heart attack and he was uh, in hospital, in the same hospital where they all worked, and um, his colleagues came by to visit him. They sent him cards, they sent him a gift, uh, they checked in on him regularly and wished him well. And he said at the very same time, there was another colleague in this department who was hospitalized for very serious depression, uh, who sadly did not have one visitor, uh, no gifts, no cards. And, uh, and he said to me, you know, 
um, I feel badly, but I had the more noble disease. And I think it really highlights uh, that stigma that we have in medicine. And, and, and sometimes, you know, it is hard for our, uh, colleagues to reach out when we're struggling. I think sometimes it hits too close to home. Sometimes they, they don't want to intrude. Sometimes they don't even really know what to say or what to do. Uh, and so, you know, for many sort of understandable reasons, uh, you know, the, that stigma is perpetuated. And I think that uh, for physicians uh, who themselves are struggling, it's hard sometimes to reach out for help, uh, knowing that the stigma exists and, uh, you know, fearing that somehow they're going to be judged and found weak or less than uh, their colleagues uh, as a result. Um, you know, my own sense is that stigma really uh, arises out of uh, preconceptions and, and misassumptions and, and a lack of knowledge. And as we learn more about this and we are able to uh, to you know correct those misassumptions, I think some of the messages that you know I would love to give uh, colleagues and uh, in, in the healthcare environment really is, uh, first of all, that a diagnosis is not the same as impairment, uh, that it is possible to be treated. Uh, and uh, regain a very high level of functioning, um, that there is help available uh, in a very supportive, non-judgmental way, and that really uh, the most important thing to do I think, when you find yourself struggling is to reach out for help and get care at the very time that you need it. Very, very well said. Thank you so much for your time today. Is there anything else that you would like to say before we sign off? No, I just want to thank you very much for uh, highlighting this uh, very important area and, uh, you know, adding to the uh, discussion that we know uh, we need to have to uh, promote uh, understanding and support uh, as we move forward. Thank you very much. Thank you. Have an excellent day. Thanks. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Boldly. We hope you enjoyed today's episode, Can Coaching Help Doctors Tackle Burnout? Special thanks to Dr. Mamta Gautam for her expertise and for helping us to reduce the stigma around burnout. Loved our podcast? Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or SoundCloud and leave a review. To learn more about Jewel, connect with us at jewelinquiries at cma.ca or visit us at jewelcma.ca. That's J-U-U-L-E-C-M-A dot C-A. 